So if you would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. As we're here this morning, we're, we're reading through this. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting there with verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out the wisdom all that is done under the heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be made counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has been, has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word as it has been spoken this morning. And Lord, as we strive to, to know you more, Lord, may our life not be, not be filled with activity that is just a striving after the wind, but Lord, may we be a people who with a purpose in our heart, seek to bring You glory in our life. God, we love You. Would Your Word speak to us today? God, would You call us out from this place, a church that is on fire, a church that is willing to, to proclaim the Gospel wherever we go. We give You all praise and glory in Your name. Amen. How many of you guys are, it feels good to be under one roof again, doesn't it? I was just thinking as I was back there, and I, and I was thinking, well, okay, well now we've got everyone under one roof, and, uh, you know, I don't know, some people are still out because of, you know, obvious fears and, and, and things of that nature, but, but when, when all of this is said and done, whether this is the new norm for us or not, when it's all said and done, what we must understand is that God is the only thing that matters, that we will, Amen. That at the end of the day, all that matters is that we find our peace in Him. Without Him, life is meaningless. But with Him, my life is it's full of meaning. I, I, I have to say that as, as a pastor, that, that, uh, you know, and as a believer in Jesus Christ, that in my own personal walk, that if I'm ever not placing God where He needs to be, there's a lot of meaningless stuff that happens. We probably, and you, you probably agree with me on this, we probably spend way too much time flipping through Facebook or flipping through channels or flipping through books that, at the end of the day, that doesn't really help us in any way. When, in fact, we as the church of God, we need to be turning to God Himself, to Him through His Word, through prayer, through being with other believers. This needs to be the focus of us during this time. This needs to be the focus of what His church is doing right now. Because Apart from Him, again, I, I'm going to say it time and time again this morning, I'm sure. But apart from Him, life is all meaningless without Him. 
when you guys are looking here, this this writer he has he's acquired great knowledge, and so we know that this is you know this is the great king, right? And he's he has this great knowledge that God had actually granted him with with special wisdom that he was able to acquire uh, great knowledge throughout his life. He had he had strove after knowing why things happen the way they happen, and as he's going through that, he finds out at the end of the day that it's all for nothing if God is not in the picture. That he's acquired this great knowledge and he finds that meaninglessness is in everything in this world apart from God. Now guys, I'm mentioning that a lot this morning. Because I, I look around the world today and I think too many people are placing their hope in the wrong things. Too many people, even within his very own church, have placed their meanings in the wrong things. I could give a lot of examples this morning. You know, you got the people that aren't happy with this or happy with that, and so they search for meaning elsewhere. You have the people who who feel that political gain in our society is going to all of a sudden just bring meaning to the United States of America. I know it's a political year, but let us not be quick to get caught up into politics. What do you mean, Daniel? Don't vote? Nope, not what I'm saying. During this political season, we ought to be getting caught up in Jesus. During this political season, we ought to be seeking to know Him more. Because from what I've read in Scripture, and you guys, you can disagree or try to prove me wrong in this, but what Scripture teaches us is that every political leader is placed in office by God Himself. That's what the Bible says. When you're looking through there, and even in context, we understand that God is ultimately in control of history. But when we're looking at this from a Christian perspective, we get so caught up in pushing this candidate or that candidate, when the fact of the matter is, is that how much of the time are we spending our lives getting closer to Jesus? Is it at least equal, your energy spent pushing politics and getting closer to Jesus? I mean, you would think it should at least be equal, but the answer, of course, is it should be surpassing anything else we do in life. We can try to get caught up into, you know, the NFL, whether it's going to happen as we want it to happen, or the, uh, the Major League Baseball or college football. We can try to get caught up in these things, but, you know, some of this stuff may not even happen this year, and if your hope is in that, you we're going to find meaninglessness. When it comes to political things and I've, I've talked to a lot of good friends and you know guys i i really kind of fear for america at this juncture where we're at as a nation we are so stinking divided people want to wonder how civil wars happen it's this type of mentality this this divisiveness that we are finding our nation in now and as the church now it, it, this may happen and this may be out of our control at this point but as the church do not be guilty of dividing people over politics as a Christian, we should be uniting all people. Well, what's interesting is we seem to have this mentality that if someone is of a different political affiliation than us, then we cannot speak with them or get along with them. If someone has a different viewpoint on, say, abortion or sexuality, then we cannot have anything to do with them. Now, church, here's what I want you to understand. We need to draw a line in the sand as, as to what sin is. Amen? But we still need to have relationship with people in the world so that they can know Jesus. 
And if we as the church are dividing and constantly dividing and constantly being divisive and divisive and divisive in everything that we say and in our, in our abilities God has given us, we should be using it to bring Him glory. Church, let us stop being divisive wherever we go. It's not about, it's not about the stuff that, that, that matters to us. There's a lot of the time, you know, we see where, where people are, you know, they're, they're wanting just to draw lines in the sand as far as that stuff goes. Church, we need to be understanding that everyone in this world who is finding meaninglessness, and maybe they're getting behind a political candidate, and they think, well, if this person gets in the office, then all my hope will be good. Everything that I, that I strive for in this world is going to be answered. They're going to be sorely displeased at the end of the day. Because no matter how you think of the current president, there's been some failure there. Amen? Just like the former president, he did a lot of great stuff. He did a lot of dumb stuff. Guess what? The one before that, a lot of good stuff, a lot of dumb stuff. The one before that, a lot of good stuff. A lot of, you see what I'm saying? We, we, can, we can try to place all of our hope in some presidential candidate or some president. And if we are not... First, seeking Jesus, we're going to be sorely let down each and every time. This guy here in, in Ecclesiastes, he had sought out, it says. He had sought out to, to know what this world was about. He made every effort in the world to have a knowledge of what was going on. And at the end of the day, in all of that seeking, he found out that it was all for nothing. It was all for nothing. Solomon, was, he was a wise man. And you think uh, having wisdom would be like having power. And I was taught this at a young age. He's not hurting anything. <laughs> but you would think at the end of the day, even with this guy, that having all of this knowledge, and I was taught at a young age that knowledge is power, and I agree. Knowledge is power, but knowledge is not meaning. It's good to know stuff. It's good to, to, to be able to go forth. You know, I'm, I'm able to do some of the work I do at the clinic because I did college, you know. <laughs> that I, I, I acquired this information and learned these things, and <clears throat> so now I'm able to do that. You know, the same way in, in being a, a pastor, you know, I'm uh, working through this seminary stuff, and it's like, you know, that doesn't make me a pastor, but it does equip me to, to do better. But at the end of the day, my meaning is not found in, in my seminary degree or my college degree. My, my meaning is found in knowing Jesus. Church, if you're suffering today with feeling meaningless in your own life, turn to Christ. The, the, the message in Ecclesiastes is that everything is meaningless. I, I love the, 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 the word picture we get here of everything is striving after the wind. It's not just a Garth Brooks album, okay? Everything is striving after the wind, and it truly it is. It's, it's a, you know, it, you could acquire all the wealth, all the knowledge, all the degrees. You could have the biggest church in town. You could have the most money in the bank. You could have all this stuff, and at the end of the day, you're going to be miserable. How many times do we have these celebrities placed in front of us, and we see how they have everything, and yet how many of them take their lives? How many of them suffer from, from all types of mental disorder? How many of them are just, if they were to, to be honestly answering their questions, to say that they're just not happy? How many of these people do we need to look at to see, wow, truly knowing God is all that matters? 
that what you are doing this morning, it's not just coming to church. And yes, it's great to be all in one house again today. It's good to see all y'all at one time, you know? But the thing is, is that what really matters is that Christ is glorified today. All of our music today, what did it do? It pointed to Jesus. Every song. And then now as we're here, you know, I, I could spend a lot of time talking about a lot of things. I could talk politics. I have pastor friends who just talk politics. But what really matters is that we know God. What really matters is that we're seeking after Him because everything else, everything else is just chasing after the wind. I was glad to see uh, Mr. Preston up here today. Man, you did a good job, brother. He's up here just rocking out on the drums, and, and I, I appreciate your willingness, man, and, and I'm proud of you for that. That's, that's a big step. I, I, I've been there. I'm there every time I hop on a drum set or guitar or whatever. You know, it's always, it's always just kind of like this. But, but the thing is, is that whatever God has blessed us in, whatever talent, we need to give it to God. Else, it'll just be striving after the wind. Solomon, in all his wisdom, everything that he had, his conclusion in all of this is that, that there's no meaning in life. Knowing that all of this stuff that he knew, it did not equal meaning. I think sometimes, I spend a lot of time, how many of y'all like Google? Y'all have a question, what do you do? You, you look it up, right? Silly stuff, I know sometimes. Like, what, what year did that movie come out? What year did that song come out? Who's, who, was the, who was the guy that played so-and-so in this, but you'll look it up, and it's all right there, you know? And the thing I've, it kind of goes back to what we spoke about last week, that there's not enough things to see in this world to please your eyes. There's not enough things to hear in this world to please your ears. Uh, that, that whole thing that he talked about last week in this first part of the chapter, it's true. We'll never, we're never going to find, even with Google, we're never going to be completely happy. And now we're just, you know, before I think we were just idiots. We just didn't know. There was no way to find out <laughs> what was going on in the world. There was no way to find out who was the person in that movie. We just kind of had to guess and get in arguments about it, I guess. But now, you know, we're just like educated idiots, right? It's like there's not much that's changed. I mean, now we have this information, but life is meaningless without God. I think if I could look back on my own personal life and I could see the things that matter. You know, when I, when I was in, in the 90s, they had these things called Jinkos. Do you guys remember those jeans? You know, some of them were just ridiculous, by the way. I mean, they're like, you know, this big, and it's just crazy. <laughs> some of y'all used to French roll your jeans. <laughs> some of y'all used to listen to the Backstreet Boys, you know? I mean, there's just been some real travesty in our nation. There's all this stuff that's going on, but in my own mind, when I think about the stuff, you know, in my life, the stuff that matters now, the stuff that really counts, is the same stuff that was back then, too. Nothing's changed. Our meaning is found in, in knowing God. Our meaning is found in, in seeking after Him. That, that this knowing, just having knowledge is not enough to bring peace to your life. Just having knowledge is not enough to give you meaning. You, you can acquire the greatest of everything and still be meaningless at the end of the day. Meaning is found... Only in knowing God. That's the only place it's found. When you talk about knowing, you know, I mean, this is this, this idea. It's not just, you know, having information. I, there's a lot of stuff in this world. Uh, you guys know me. Uh, I know a whole lot about World War II. 
you know, like a ton of stuff. Like sometimes I'm just, I'm amazed at like um, how much people don't know about World War II, you know, and I, I'm kind of judgmental on that, I guess. Sometimes I was like, what? No, he wasn't president during World War II. That's some kids one time say, you know, Abraham Lincoln, when he was president and World War II was happening, I'm like, what? What? What are you talking about? Like, I'm just going to walk away right now, okay? But knowledge is, it's a good thing. I, I recently, I, I started doing a, Joni, because she loves me, and she understands me, she gets me. She got me classes uh, for glass blowing school. I don't know as weird as that sounds. Some people are like, what? I tell people, like, hey, I'm taking glass blowing classes, you know? And um, one of the things I'm learning through this is that glasses in the beginning is really hot, <laughs> 1,300 degrees. But there's something about just understanding. And, and our little instructor, she comes in there. You know, she, she, she has all this knowledge in glass blowing. She knows all this stuff. I mean, that's her job. And she comes in, and she'll just kind of, I call it nerding out. She'll just start throwing, like, stuff about glass to us. And, and I can see some of the people, they're just like, and she, and and she kind of gathers that from them. Like, okay, this is information they're not interested in. I'm kind of sitting there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> she, she was like, this is probably information y'all don't want to know. And I was like, no, please give it to me. I, I'm, I'm, that, I'm minded like that, too. I, I want to understand everything I can about this process of taking molten glass and, and forming it into something beautiful. But even in knowing that, I'm not going to find the meaning in life that I need. It's very therapeutic, by the way, to, to, to do these. You know, if you guys are just needing some good therapy and you're not into seeing a therapist, go take glass blowing school. It is something. It's just amazing. But the other night, as I was, I was sticking the, the rod, I was sticking it into the oven, and I was turning glass, and I'm pulling this out. You know, I mean, they, this glass, was, this place is like legit. It's not, you know, we're just not making bookmarks or something. I mean, this is like you are learning. You get finished here, you can go work at Branson, you know. And, and so I'm, I'm doing this, and I'm like, you know, they just kind of turn you loose. And, I mean, they trust you with this, this hot glass, you know, and, you, and you're turning it. And, oh, it's, it's not forming right. Stick it back in the, in, in the warmer, and you warm it back up, and you get it hot again. You start working again. It's just back and forth and back and forth. And, and as I was doing it the other day, I was like, how cool that this is. But, Daniel, your meaning's not in turning glass. Your meaning's not in, in working in a clinic. Your meaning's not in, in the things of this world. Your meaning is in knowing me. And God wants us to know that today. As we're reading through this book of Ecclesiastes, at times it just kind of seems like a strange writing that, that it's not typical of, of the Bible, I think, in some ways, the, the, the style that it's written in. It's very much written in a, in, a, in a style in which God is not incorporated. But in that, we see how much God needs to be incorporated in our lives. In that, we see how hopeless we are without God. And so today, I encourage you, if you do not know Jesus, you need Jesus in your life. If you do know him, but yet you kind of shove him away sometimes, get to know him all the more. Get to know him all the more. When we're seeing this, this, this writer, man, he had acquired so much wealth, so much knowledge, so much things in this world. And, and when, the, when the day ended, it all came down to this. Without God, it's meaningless. But we no doubt are going to go through times of trial. You guys agree with that? You're like, yeah, we're in a pandemic, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, we are in a pandemic. We know what trial means. Adrian Rogers says this about trials and, and about who we are. He says that a faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. 
I, I, I've thought about that all week. I heard him say it on a radio excerpt, not even in a sermon. I just heard it. And he, he says that a faith that cannot be, has not been tested cannot be trusted. Your, your faith, your, your relationship with God, it's going to be tested at times. But in that testing, we find that, that, that God is still good. Amen? Now you think, like, there, there's been times, and going back to the glass blowing thing, you know, you're, you're working this glass, and, and, and the other day we were, we're learning how to mix in colors and, and add bubbles to the glass. I mean, there's all these, like, like stuff that you learn, okay? They're, they're teaching us this as we work up towards doing, like, glasses and vases and stuff like that. But, but as we're going through this process of turning glass and blowing glass and, and adding color to glass and doing all of this stuff, um, one of the things that I, I was seeing as, as, as we were going through this was the very fact that that glass, the more that you test it, the better it gets. The more that you put it in the heat, the better it gets. Uh, if, if it's formed in a, in a weird way, or the colors aren't exactly the right, uh, like you would like it to be, and you stick it back into the, to that glory hole, to that, to that furnace, you stick it back in there and you let it heat up and heat up, the more that you let it heat up, the better it mixes, the easier it is to work once you pull it out. And church, what I want us to understand today is that if we feel like we're going through a time of trial right now, let God grow you through it. Because your, your, your hope is not, is, it, in, is are things going well? Newsflash, things are going to go bad in this world. At the end of the day, all that matters is if is God is in your life. If He's there, it doesn't matter the trial you go through. It doesn't matter the heat that you're placed under. God is going to do a wonderful work in your life. And besides all of that, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you already have eternal life. Amen? Eternal life is already something that is there. It's already something that, that you have been blessed with. And so as you're thinking about meaning in life, remember, consistently remember that meaning in life comes in knowing God. The, the chore of finding knowledge. The chore of understanding. The chore of finding meaning in this world. It's a sad work. He says here that, that God has given his children a very sad work, a very tough work. Because, you know, we can find the, uh, for instance, and I believe we will, there'll be, a, there'll be a vaccine for COVID-19, right? We've seen it time and time again. God has blessed man with such knowledge. We were able to find cures for, you know, I've known people in my own family that had cancer and like because of medications that people had developed because they had a brain that God gave them, their cancer is gone. I wish it was that way for everyone who dealt with cancer. We, we see the, you know, uh, just recently we sent some guys into space and then they came back down in a capsule. Did you guys read that account of what it was like coming back into the atmosphere in that capsule? They said it felt like someone was just walking up behind them with a baseball bat and just beating the tar out of the seat. They heated up so hot, like they couldn't, they, they couldn't even turn to see the plasma that was running off of there as they entered the atmosphere. There was all this stuff. But, but I was, you know, when it comes down to the good stuff that men can do, the brains that we've been blessed with, all of this knowledge, there's always going to be travesty. There's always going to be new viruses. There's always going to be new cancers. There's always going to be bad things happening in this world because this world is broken. This world is, it's, it's not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are somewhere else, amen? 
I'm just going to sing a gospel song while I'm standing here. Is that all right? This world is not our home. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is, is, is not is in what lunch is going to be like today. You guys could go have the greatest lunch in the world today, and by tonight you're going to be hungry again. There's not enough in these simple little things in life to bring us happiness and peace. But in God, there is enough. My, my personal testimony is that you know, since I have, have, have followed Christ, He has never once let me down. And I've went through some fire. I've went through, th- through some terrible things, some things that, that you just kind of think at the end of the day, I'm just done with God. But, but through it all, God is there with me. Through it all, that's where my meaning comes from. Through it all, God has never forsaken me. When you're thinking about this, I, I wrote down some thoughts when we're, when we're looking at um, a type down, I should say, right? But God is a God of new. You know, the, uh, political seasons, I, for me, uh, even coming up as a kid, I remember in 1988 there was a big election. You guys remember that election? And uh, it, it, the, my, my, my teachers in school, um, they had this, like, clip newspaper articles. Uh, for you young people here today, newspapers were these um, news sources that were made out of paper. And uh, they would have us go through the newspaper and clip newspaper articles and put them in, like, a folder about the election. And at the end of the election, then you could kind of flip through it and see kind of, you know, the, this historical account. I, I have it still somewhere. I kept it. I don't know why. Out of everything in my life, I kept this. It, I guess it just meant something. But, uh, but I remember... Uh, you know, being a kid and just kind of being excited, like, oh, who's going to be our president? How's this process work? All this kind of stuff. I remember there was this kind of a newness, like a, like a, like a happiness. Kind of like when you go on vacation to someplace you've never been before, and you're just looking around, you're like, oh, wow, this is neat, you know? And, and this idea of newness. Guys, our God, don't, don't, if you just look at God and you just think it's the same old stuff, it's boring, you got to understand that God is the God of newness. He is, he's the God who, who's given us all a new name. He's a God who's, who's given every single person here a new name. You're not the same person you were before he saved you. That new name, is, it's, it's meaningful. He's given us all a, a new community. Isn't it great to have the church to help us along the way? That at one time you maybe were just surrounded by people who were just very selfish and concerned about themselves. But the work of God puts us in a new community. He gives us a new help from angels. I know this is, this is a whole study in and of itself, but there are angels out there who literally help us in our daily lives. What are you talking about, Daniel? What's well, in the Bible. If you're writing it down, Psalm 91 talks about how his angels are given charge over us. We're not in this alone. He's given us a new commandment. That new commandment is what? To love one another. You know, when I tell you guys to, during this political season, to not be hateful and divisive, that's biblical. That's not Daniel saying, well, this is going to benefit my political party or however I lean. I don't even know how I lean. I'm just kind of right there in the middle like this. If, if you're like me, I, I, you know, I kind of hear both sides. I'm like, oh, that's good, and that's terrible, and that's good, and that's terrible. And I'm just kind of setting here. But the idea of, the, as, of being a believer in Jesus Christ is that we're following Jesus Christ. And if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to hear the commandment that he says to love your brother and to love the Lord your God. That's what he tells us to do. There's, a, there's meaning in knowing Jesus, amen? A new name. A new help, a new commandment, a new covenant, a new and living way to heaven. You guys realize that before Jesus died on the cross that we were all bound to hell. 
There was no hope. He's given us a new nature. Our nature's different now. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I sure behave a lot differently than before I knew Jesus. I'm not saying that all my, my, all my thoughts and all my actions are always where they need to be, but I'll tell you what, that when God gives you that new nature, when you become His, He directs you. He helps you through His Holy Spirit to get through this world, to make the best decisions. We need to be ever going through that. And one of the things I think the world needs to hear today, the last one I wanted to kind of hit out, was a new purity. How, how many of you guys think that this world needs to be purified? You know, um, I, 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 another nerd thing I want to do, you know, I, I'd like to do some, like, metal work, too, you know, like some blacksmithing and stuff like that. But, but you know, when, when you walk up to the furnace and you're making glass, the furnace is around 1,300 degrees. Trampus is about like walking up to a house fire. So I don't have a problem with it. Everybody else is wanting these barriers and stuff. I'm like, man, I'm tough. I'm like, ah, my arm. It's hot. It is hot. I'll give you that. But it's like walking up to a house fire. I've been exposed, so I kind of know. I'm not totally scared. I probably should be more scared, you know. I have less hair in my arm now. But you walk up to that, and you stick the rod into the glass, right? The glass is, you guys been to Silver Dollar City. It's like this bright orange, right? You've seen them do this. So imagine walking up to that, and it's like this, this, this bright orange light, and you have to be able to stick that rod in there, but not too much because you don't want to gather too much glass at a time, right? And what you look for in that, you look for, in this molten glass, you look for a shadow. And you can kind of gauge like how far, in, in a, which by the way, my instructor said I do very well at gathering glass. you stick that in there and, and, and but as you're looking around I've just kind of found that you can see in the glass that there sometimes there's just impurities or something in there and it's separated from everything else right maybe it's just a, a, a random rock or somebody put some different colored glass or something you can see these differences but but in essence that clear glass is all the same color and you can actually it's so clear it's so pure you can actually see your reflection in it if you were to stick your head in there for a brief moment <laughs> before your face melted off. But you can't see that, that iron rod. You can see the reflection in that. It's so pure, right? And church, what I want you to understand is that God is calling His people to be pure. Qu- quit, quit setting this standard as to, well, the rest of the world acts like this, right? Quit setting your, your ministry standard as to, well, every other church is doing this. We set our standard higher. We must understand that God is a, he's a fire. He's a, he's a purifying fire. And that in him we can find the purity that we need to, to, to live the most glorifying life to him. May we be like that furnace. May we be just reflecting who God is. We're so pure. That they don't look at us and people say, well, they're, they're a conservative. They're a liberal. I don't want to be known as either one of those. I want to be known as a follower of Jesus. You see, that's somewhere, amen, somewhere along the way in America, we've forgotten that this, this idea of common decency. We can't even get along with our neighbor now. Well, Daniel, they're, they're this political party. What did Jesus say about your neighbor? Yeah, everybody knows that one, right? 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you sit and criticize yourself? Do you sit and say you're a terrible person? Oh, we may sometimes. But I think overall, you're probably pretty good to feed yourself, bathe yourself, you know, find entertainment. <laughs> but when you think about this, guys, what, what we need to know today is that God is calling us to purity. He's calling us to be people who are, who are seeking to glorify Him more and more each and every day. And the reason is, is because everything else in this world is chasing after the wind. Everything else in this world is pointless. Everything else in this world is something that, that without God, is, it's without meaning. But with God, there's a lot of meaning in this world. With God, we have this ability to, to live a life that glorifies Him. If you guys turn it real quick this morning as we close, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The writer in 2 Corinthians, he's, he's given us this picture of, of following God, of, of living a life of meaning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of God, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. You know, before we kind of move on through this little passage, he says that we try to persuade others. Why do we try to persuade others? The question, I think, is a, is a, is a valuable question. Before you kind of just... Glance, glance over this passage and it says, yeah, we need to persuade others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do we need to persuade others? Well, the reason is, is because God's way is the only way to find meaning. What, what we're reading in Ecclesiastes is true here in the book of 2 Corinthians. The reason we try to persuade people is because Jesus truly is the way, truth, and life. That meaning is only found in, in Him. Verse 12 goes on, it says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the hearts. What, what a good little kind of, you know, kind of a set a straight moment, right? We need to be looking at the heart of people. And if people are, are not saved, we need to quit looking at whether they're a political party. We need to quit looking at their sexual orientation. We need to quit looking at their skin color. We need to quit looking at if they're Baptists or not. We need to look at their hearts. We need to look at who they are. And who they are at that moment may be someone who has no meaning in life. In church, we have the ability to show them what meaning is. It's in God, amen? I hope I'm not alone in seeing that I've got meaning in life because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. I hope I'm not the only one in this place who understands that God is the bringer of meaning to all people. So you see, it's, it's important that I don't, I don't become some religious bigot. I don't become some political bigot. Somebody who's just out here and just pushing people away if they don't agree with me. We need to be people who, who see the value in others and understand that we may be the key. We may be the person that's going to lead them to Christ. That, that you ever think it's possible that God may use us to reach other people? You ever thought about that? You better. That's how it works. Verse, verse 13, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. 
Daniel's translation says, but if we're crazy, if they, if they say we're insane in the membrane, it is for God. If you're out here, you're loving people and you're, you're pointing them to Christ and they say you're, you're, you're crazy, don't worry about it. It's for God. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Amen? Everybody, everybody say amen to that. If you can't really truthfully say amen to that this morning, you need to make some changes because the love of Christ should be controlling you. Not the love of denomination, not the love of politics, not the love of sports, not the love of people. The love of Christ should control us because we have, he says, concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Now look at 15. We only got three verses left. 15, for the love, oh, I'm sorry, and he died, yeah, 15. And he died for all, so Christ died for all people, amen? Not just me. Even though I'm glad he did, Greg, I'm so glad Christ died for me. But not just me, but for all people, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but to him who for their sake died and was raised. That's, that's interesting when you're thinking Ecclesiastes here. Ecclesiastes, again, you guys are going, you can answer this. You're probably like, I'm tired of hearing it. That's okay. I want you to get this in your head. Everything without God is meaningless. A life lived without God is meaningless. And so who do we live for? We live for Christ because meaning is found in Christ. 